Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We have no speaker and we have no vote on a speaker. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you guys. So let me give you the one-two punch on this. I, earlier today, on my morning show, spoke with Greg Pence, Congressman, 6th District of Indiana, about what it is that was happening with the conference and what he thought was going to happen today. So this was a bit of soothsaying from Greg Pence of what he thought was going to happen today with the vote for Speaker of the House. Of course, Jim Jordan was uh, the nominee and he couldn't get the votes. He got less votes the second time around than the first time around. What's going on here? Uh, to manage expectations today, I was just at uh, breakfast with some of my peers and the word here is there will be six to ten more defections for Jim Jordan. To explain my vote to the listeners, Tony, you know, uh, it's it was 1923, the last year that it took more than one vote on the House floor to elect a speaker. So here this has become regular order, I guess, in Congress. But in conference, when we vote according to our rules for a speaker nominee, I go to the floor and I vote for that person to be speaker because the majority won. I agreed to that rule one year ago. Uh, and what's going on is uh, it's chaos. And this time, Tony, as you, as you mentioned, uh, this is a very diverse group of folks uh, versus the last time the as, as uh, Kim McCarthy called them the crazy eights plus Gates. Uh, I understand everybody's position. Their their responsibility is to represent their district, but it's my responsibility to also support the party once we've made a decision behind closed doors, and we're not doing that right now. And I, I know you're going to ask me who do I think uh, uh, could come forward. Uh, I don't even know. There's a Let's number of names that have. Go ahead. I want to take a step back talking to Congressman Greg Pence of the Indiana 6th District. Did you just say there are going to be six to ten more defections from Jim Jordan, as in we'll see even more people vote against him for speaker? That is the word uh, on the Hill this morning, and I believe that's actually true because I heard it from people that enjoined yesterday, one of the two of the four, uh, you know, we Two people uh, voted for uh, Jim with, that didn't vote the first time, and four people voted against him yesterday for the second vote. Uh, and I talked to two of those that had changed their vote against Jim, and they said they know of uh, six to ten more. So, yes, uh, it'll, it's going to grow. It's, it's a strategy of people that, are, that have been offended by the, the – uh, Aggressive tactics, the intimidation uh, that the the people around Jim employed over the weekend and on Monday. Uh, people don't like, you know, we're the House of Representatives. We don't have outside parties intimidate us and threaten us uh, that we will vote a certain way. I'll continue to, I'll vote for my, if Jim comes to the floor today, if, then I will vote for Jim Jordan because that's how he got elected in conference. 
We have heard about the the phone calls. We had Congresswoman Victoria Sparks on the show yesterday. She discussed this issue, but did not get in into details. You use the word intimidation. Members, constituents calling their 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 elected representative makes perfect sense to me, and I would consider that to be part of the job. What do you mean by intimidation, sir? We're going to go after you. Uh, uh, death threats, Mary Miller meet, credible uh, death threats. She had voted for Jim on the first vote, and then yesterday she changed because in the interim, she had received death threats, offices uh, screaming and yelling at staffers that you tell your boss to change his votes or he's going to be sorry. I mean, literal threats of people on the outside uh, telling, uh, uh, you know, engaging in that type of behavior. So that was Congressman Greg Pence earlier today. And this idea of, of threats, I'm, I'm never down with that. I'm never in favor of that. But earlier I spoke to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. And he is not only dismissive of that, but point blank has called out the conference talking about there is no leadership in this Republican Party. Jim Jordan doesn't have the votes. Now there's a conversation about whether or not they will back McHenry, Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. Will they indeed imbue him with more power as Speaker Pro Tem, or will they actually vote for him as Speaker? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now from the Indiana 3rd, Republican candidate for Senate in the state of Indiana. And we, we spoke about this yesterday, about the madness, about Jim Jordan getting less votes the second go around than the first uh, go around. You voted for Jordan on both uh, of these votes. What happened in the conference to prevent a vote from even going forward today? Well, Tony, I just walked out of the Republican conference meeting, and uh, uh, today the Republican leadership, um, and I say that word with uh, a lot of reservations because there is no Republican leadership in the House at this point, they want to move forward with this motion to empower the Speaker pro tem, the temporary Speaker, Patrick McHenry, uh, and and they'll they'll need Democrat votes, by the way, to do it. It'll take like a, a deal with the a deal with the devil, making a deal with the Democrats to empower the temporary speaker and give him powers to essentially be the, the speaker of the house. That's not what our voters sent us here to do. They gave us a majority to fight back against the radical Biden agenda, the radical Democrats to save our country. And now we're turn Now what these guys want to do is turn the majority back over to the Democrats. It's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in politics, a big and giant mistake. If that's, if that's what Republicans are going to do, they don't deserve the majority in the first place. Uh, we spoke yesterday. I spoke with Congresswoman Victoria Sparks of the Indiana 5th yesterday. I spoke today with Congressman Je- uh, Greg Pence of the Indiana 6th. And this conversation of there were a lot of phone calls, a lot of pressure. And some of that pressure was pretty nasty and that members took serious offense to it. What were there? Was it offensive that members got calls from their constituents saying vote for Jim Jordan? Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, your, your constituents and voters are calling you and saying follow through and do what you told, what you said you were going to do during the campaign season. That's not a that's not a threat. That's a do the right thing. Now if there were death threats, I've had death threats, um, serious uh, death threats and I've turned those over to the Capitol Police and they've been handled. In fact, I got a very serious threat a couple of days ago. It said don't come home if you vote for Jim Jordan for speaker. 
I don't blame the people who oppose Jim Jordan for that threat. That's just a crazy person on Twitter that posted something they shouldn't have, so I turned it over to the Capitol Police. But don't hide behind that and then walk out onto the floor of the House and betray your voters, the very people who sent you here to fight on behalf of this great country, which is under attack by the radical left unlike ever before. Don't hide behind that as your reason not to put Jim Jordan, the the obvious best person uh, to be in the speaker's chair, to elect him to be the speaker of the House so we can move beyond this madness and move forward and do our job. And that's what a lot of these guys are doing. Also, Tony, it's not lost on me that a big block of the Republicans who are not voting for Jim Jordan for speaker are on the Appropriations Committee. They're big spending Republicans that are afraid of Jim Jordan being a budget cutter and and uh, focusing on on uh, reducing the deficit and the national debt. These are establishment, old school Republicans who aren't on the same page as our voters, and they don't want to put the guy in the speaker's chair who's who's serious about doing something about the biggest issues in our country. So that that's what's going on here. I'm livid about it. This is a what 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 could potentially happen today in this this uh, empowerment of the temporary speaker of the house is giving the Republican majority over to the Democrats and allowing the Democrats to control it. And I've never seen a bigger betrayal of Republican voters than this, if that's what's going to happen. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana third district candidate for Senate Republican candidate for Senate. Um, I, I, I name names. Who, who are the people that are afraid that Jim Jordan is going to cut too much spending? Well, there are twenty of them that voted against him yesterday. I mean, I. But, you're, I, but are you? I you're making the claim the with specificity that that's the reason. Yeah, they want to say it's about getting threats or being bullied and 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 hide behind excuses like that. But these are squishy Republicans who don't want to put a conservative rock star in the speaker's chair. That, that's that that's the that's the true reason they don't want Jim Jordan to be the speaker because he is a rock ribbed conservative who's serious about cutting the budget, securing the border taking on China, holding Joe Biden and the Biden administration accountable for their abuses of power. That's why they don't want him in the chair. There's no other reason for it. If, if they want to hide behind petty personalities and differences they've had in the past. But the fact of the matter is the, these holdouts, the people that won't vote for Jim Jordan to put him in the speaker's chair, are doing it because they are squishy Republican members of Congress. And I hope, I hope their voters are paying attention. I mean, I hope, I hope their voters... Uh, take action in the next election and uh, send them back home than, that, rather than send them to Washington, D.C., because they're not part of they're not part of saving this country. They're part of they're, they're part of the go along to get along week of the Republican Party that's working with the Democrats to do our country. in. I'm not going to go along with it. I'm going to vote against this motion to empower the temporary speaker. And I want us to go back to work, go back in the room. And if Jim Jordan doesn't have the votes to be the speaker, then bow out of the race and let the next guy stand up and run for it. And let's keep doing it until we elect a Republican Speaker of the House, and then we can get back to work. Well, you, you bring up a, a point. Uh, it was actually the question I was going uh, to, to ask. Reality is you need a Speaker. And if Jim Jordan can't get the votes, who is up next? You just said that you would be okay with going to next man up. Who is it? I, I don't know. Um, there are other people in the room who I could vote for. Um, I want there's nothing I've ever wanted more than for, in, in my entire time in Congress and for Jim Jordan to be the Speaker of the House, because I believe he's the fighter that we need. But if he can't get the votes, then let's look at someone like Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin, who chairs the Select Committee on China. I'm a part of it. 
uh, the most important issue of our time, taking on our biggest adversary, Uh, a guy like Michael Waltz from Florida, a strong conservative, a veteran, and uh, someone who I admire. Um, I could go on with a long list of others that could potentially be very good speakers for this time. There are other people who are talking about it. Let's not elect a Democrat-controlled Speaker of the House, though. That betrays our voters. They gave us a majority and now we're handing it over to Democrats. If that's so your case. argument is that it's not that you think Patrick McHenry from North Carolina, Congressman McHenry, is a bad guy. It's that you think that the way he would get more power would eliminate the importance and the value of having the majority in the House to begin with. That, that's right. But I, I, do have, I do have concerns about empowering someone to negotiate like the upcoming spending deal, the CR, with the Democrats. Um, he's not... McHenry is not the guy that I want. I want to go into the room with Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and negotiate with them. I want a conservative to go do that. I want a rock ribbed Republican to go negotiate on behalf of the House Republican majority. But if we allow the Democrats, this is this was what made this such a tragic mistake to oust McCarthy to begin with. Every Democrat voting with eight Republicans to oust the speaker, the Republican Speaker of the House. Now, now what you're going to see today, if they if they walk off, if, they, if Republicans walk off the plank and pass this motion, is that the Democrats are going to join a small number of Republicans and pick the next Speaker of the House. That's why it was a mistake to begin with. Um, absolutely a shame. One, one, one of the biggest embarrassments and, a, and most historic mistakes in Republican Party history is what's been going on on here for the last couple of weeks. And if the Democrats choose in a Republican majority, the Democrats choose the Speaker of the House, even temporarily. It is a giant betrayal to our Republican voters who gave us the majority to begin with. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. He has been in the room. He has been voting for uh, Jim Jordan, but that is not to be the case. And I, I must say, it was it was Speaker McCarthy who had his shortlist, and McHenry was on the top of his shortlist regarding who should be uh, pro tem, if he should be uh, removed, if the motion to vacate should go forward. You voted uh, for, for McCarthy on, on repeated votes. So someone may ask the question as to why is now McHenry such a such a problem? Well, McHenry wasn't chosen by the, co- the conference, by the body, by a majority of the Republicans in the room. But But furthermore, I mean, take Patrick McHenry's uh, word for it himself, he has said repeatedly in all of our conference meetings, his job is to do one thing, and that's oversee the election of the next Speaker of the House. It's not to be the Speaker of the House. And that, he's made that abundantly clear to all of the Republicans in the room. He's never said that he wants to be the Speaker of the House. He says his job is to oversee the election of the next Speaker of the House. So a, a motion, uh, even against Patrick McHenry's will to be the temporary Speaker of the House, once again, betrays the voters who sent us here to begin with. A big mistake. I'm not going along with it. You have brought up the level of mistake, and I have discussed it myself, uh, that you don't make a move without a plan, and the removal of Kevin McCarthy as speaker without a plan was only going to lead to a problem, and, and here we are. Will Matt Gates be held responsible, sir? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, his voters... We'll have to make that judgment call next year. I don't know when the primary is in Florida, but his voters will have to decide that. I've told Matt, I I work very closely with Matt. We serve on committees together. We work on a lot of really important issues. And 
you know, most of the time we're on the same page. I think this was a, a giant mistake, and I've told him that. If Jim Jordan became the Speaker of the House, then that would be an upgrade. But that, if that's not going to happen, then this is a colossal mistake. And, um, you know, ultimately, his voters have to decide if he'll be held accountable for it or not. How many in the conference? I, I'd be curious to know what, what happens in the conference, the fly on the wall, if you can just share what the what what the meeting w- was like. Let me start there. How cantankerous is it in the room? It's very tense. I mean, it's been going on for a couple of weeks now. And, you know, it's uh, the these conference meetings. We 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 check our phones because they don't want people to leak what's going on in the room. It all gets leaked anyway. Um, uh, you know, I look around. Some people keep their phones anyway, but to try to have constructive dialogue and a discussion. But, you know, it's, this is the thing, Tony, I've been thinking a lot about this. We, we have no leadership. And the Democrats are so good at this. If you watch what they just did, Speaker Pelosi uh, retired. She handed the baton off to a younger member, a younger face of the Democrat Party, Hakeem Jeffries, Denny Hoyer, longtime uh, majority uh, leader and, and leader in the Democrat Party, he uh, hands off his leadership position to, I think her name is Kathleen Clark from New York or from, from uh, New England. Um, but they stuck around to help groom and mentor them. I mean, the Democrats figure this out. They're so good at, at raising up the next generation of leaders and training leaders within their ranks. Republicans are horrible at this. I mean, I, we, we, don't, we don't have a crop of emerging leaders. That's what I'm, I'm trying to be. I'm running for the United States Senate, as you know, to be a, a a new face, a new, a new leader in, in the Republican Party where there is a vacuum of leadership, where people, people hang on and hold on for too long. We need a new crop. That's why I said Mike Gallagher a little bit, a bit ago, a, a, a rock star in the Republican conference who doesn't necessarily want to be in leadership, but he's the right kind of, the right caliber of guy who could be a strong Speaker of the House or a strong leader for our party. We need to, we need to identify these new, my, my generation of leaders and start raising them up rather than stomping them out. And Republicans do a really poor job of that. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. I'm sure we're going to check in again. Uh, in, in the future, we will talk more about this coming up on the other side. I'm Tony Katz. People on the political right still considering voting for Robert Kennedy Jr.? How? We've only been discussing it here from the beginning. From the very moment I interviewed the man. Nice guy. You don't vote for him. This is a leftist leftist. Ten years ago, that guy, if you didn't believe in climate change, he wanted to throw you in jail. I don't know if that so much has uh, totally gone away from him. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Oh, he's, he's changed his point of view. Sure. Sure, yes, I'm going to believe him. He just came out in favor of reparations. Your move. Well, I like what he says about vaccines. Great. I'm glad that you like what he says about vaccines. You can like what somebody says about vaccines. It doesn't mean that they get your vote. You're not a conservative if you're considering Robert Kennedy Jr. You're just not. Well, it's him or it's Biden. No, 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 it's not. There are 9 million other options. What are you, insane? I, I got to tell you, the, the, the more we go through it, and I've never been a populism guy, uh, the populists are silly. 
This isn't, this isn't a way to run a country. This isn't a way to run a campaign. This isn't a way to run your mind. It's not. Well, Tony, you don't understand. The people are just tired. The guy is a leftist. Can you imagine what taxation is going to look like under him? A guy who favors an assault weapons ban. He favors reparations. What are you even remotely thinking? You have no argument. You have anger. And anger is not a policy. Let me give you an example of somebody who could say something you like, but you don't necessarily vote for it. It's truly disturbing that members of Congress rush to blame Israel for the hospital tragedy in Gaza. Who would take the word of a group that just massacred innocent Israeli civilians over our key ally? Innocent Israelis were the victims of a terrorist attack that resulted in the largest loss of Jewish lives since the Holocaust. Now we know that the tragedy at the Gaza hospital was not caused by Israel. I will always stand with Israel and look forward to supporting any military intelligence or humanitarian aid to get the job done. Nice statement. Good statement. That was given by Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania. Yeah, that John Fetterman. Hell, I don't even know if he wrote the thing. Good statement. Well done, Senator Fetterman. You'd vote for him? You insane? Are you insane? No, you appreciate that he's got, uh, amazingly, this moment's correct. You're thrilled by it, and you share it. You say, good on you. But our disagreements on policy, they go deep. Oh, and uh, you're not okay. You, you say that as well. You don't just jump in and say, oh, yeah, they're making perfect sense. Not making perfect sense. They're not making perfect sense at all. But two things happened today that were quite interesting. And these things go into, in, in great detail, this idea of, or the responsibility of one's words. As I have discussed on social media, no company has to hire someone who supports Hamas, and no company should hire someone that supports Hamas. Supporting terrorists is and should be disqualifying. Nobody owes you a job, kitten. Sorry, lawyers, nobody owes you a job. No one. And uh, uh, job offers being withdrawn left and right because people are supporting a terrorist organization, I think that's great. This dentist in Miami who got fired because he was tearing down posters of Israeli hostages. People put up the posters, put up pictures of family or friends or loved ones or just people. Look what Gaza is doing. I mean, look what Hamas is doing. And then there are people who tear them down and they get identified. And now this one guy was a dentist. He lost his job. Yeah. And well, that's cancel culture. No, no, he could still be a dentist. It's just this firm said, we're not going to hire this guy. And we don't have to. There's another one. Uh, a uh, guy who is uh, a, uh, what, what is he? He's, uh, is he a doctor? He's a doctor who works for a company called Expert MRI. This is all on social media. Who tweeted out, Zionists are genocidal, demonic, greedy, pedophilic, um, I can't say that word on, amazing, I can't say that word on radio. It's when somebody is mentally slow, 
you could you could say that that's the word that you would use. I would get in trouble, actually. I would. Even if I was quoting it. And then he says, change my mind. The angry little Zionist war pigs are big mad their lies and deceit aren't working anymore. Their powers are waning and they are scared and lashing out. The only thing Zionists are superior at are lies, deceit, and genocide. I'm a Zionist. I believe in Israel's right to exist and I believe in Israel's right to defend itself. This guy is a doctor who worked uh, for, for a firm called Expert MRI. And Expert MRI uh, put out a post. Expert MRI is aware of the disturbing anti-Semitic comments posted by this doctor. I'm noticing I'm not even using his name. Why am I taking care? Posted by Dr. Andrew Theory on his personal ex-Twitter account. Effective immediately, Dr. Theory is no longer chief medical officer of Expert MRI and will not be affiliated with the company in any capacity moving forward. As stated previously, expert MRI emphatically condemns anti-Semitism as well as any other expression of hate, all of which are contrary to the company's and its owner's core values. We encourage all our staff to always show empathy and compassion in both their professional and personal lives. We sincerely apologize as a company to any individuals who were hurt or affected by Dr. Theory's posts and want to reinforce that such behavior is not tolerated at expert MRI in any way, shape, or form. There are consequences for actions. Now, you'll note, I didn't say that people couldn't stay silent. This doctor didn't have to say anything. He could say that he disagrees with Israeli policy from now until the end of time. Zionist piggy? And, and oddly, the idea that the Zionists would be into the pig. Well, you, could, you don't have to be Jewish necessarily. I'll leave that for another day. Why shouldn't there be consequences? He can still be a doctor. He just can't work there. They decided no. Now, you notice the company didn't say, you all have to put out a statement in support of Israel or else you're fired. No, we only do that with taking vaccines. That did not happen. This guy went out of his way to say, hey, look, I'm a Jew-hating bigot. And there was a consequence. And these college students who are Losing job offers, there's a consequence. No one said that you still couldn't be a lawyer, a lot of law students, things like that. Go ahead. But they don't have to hire you. It is so important that they learn these lessons. But these lessons now have to take place on a different level. This is a high school in San Francisco. That is through the halls of a high school. Suspensions all around, shall we? It's a call for genocide. So let me try and make it a little more uh, direct for you. If the students were going around screaming N-word, 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 N-word. See, I'm not allowed to say that. They can call for genocide. We can play that. But other things we can't say. If that was the call. Where would the outrage be? Everywhere? All the time? They'd be going after these kids' parents, teachers, everybody. Can you imagine being a Jewish student in that school? They're screaming for, for genocide. They don't even know what they're saying because they're high school students and they're blank and stupid, which, by the way, they should be called. 
The principal should be the first person engaging suspensions. Do you even know what you said? Do you even know what you did? My gosh, that is not the kind of student we educate here at whatever the high school is. Think that'll happen? You think there will be that moral clarity? The moral clarity conversation continues when you see uh, that Chris Van Hollen, Democrat, Chris Van Hollen blocked a resolution from Republican Senator Josh Hawley. The resolution condemns the anti-Semitic and as described, pro-Hamas, which it totally is. There are no pro-Palestine rallies. It's pro-Hamas. The pro-Hamas actions on college campuses. So the Republican, Josh Hawley, puts forward this legislation, and the Democrat, Chris Van Hollen of Maryland, is like, oh, no, 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 no. What of the rhetoric that is cited specifically in the resolution? You talked about legitimate concerns. What, what specifically do you think is legitimate? I, I'm not suggesting to my colleague that any particular statement that he took out from these protests was a legitimate statement. No, but no, no. But what you are doing here, what you are doing here is smearing all of the students who engage in these protests. Yes, you are. And, 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 and that is wrong. And I would just invite you again to join with me if we're going to get in this practice, and I don't suggest it, this is one of the reasons I'm here, of when there are terrible, hateful remarks made against any group, whether they be blacks or other minority groups, the United States Senate Senator, maybe will weigh in. But, but in you this said we're issue, smearing student groups. What's the smear? Point me to the language. Issue, there, there are there are student groups that may have legitimate concerns, for example, about, just a minute, legitimate concerns about the loss of innocent They're civilian life in Gaza. They're not condemned by this resolution. No, 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 no. But what you are doing is saying, you're questioning, based on certain anti- remarks made by some students, Senator, you're we are questioning them all. We are condemning. I object. Mr. President. Mr. President. And, and Mr. President, if I may, Mr. President, I have to. I, I had Senator to run down I got another meeting, but Thank I object. Uh, it- so Chris Van Hollen objects based on nothing more than he thinks it's a slander of students, and then runs out. He leaves. He came down to object because he doesn't want to call anybody an anti-Semite from the Senate. It's hard to believe it. we've just heard on this floor. Defense of the most vile anti-Semitic rhetoric under the excuse that to call out specifically the specific statements and denounce them one at a time and say this is wrong, that that is somehow a smear. What that is is a failure of moral nerve. What it is is a failure of moral clarity. It is. By the way, uh, on on Twitter X, Wallace uh, reminding, and it's it's very, very true, you know, when we talk about these students in, in San Francisco, and there they are uh, chanting in the hallways. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. 
and they're wearing keffiyehs and, you know, all, all these things. Uh, he reminds me, not just people of the Jewish faith would be uh, afraid of that or bothered by that or, or how would they, you know, deal with that in a school. It would be every faith and every person who doesn't believe with them. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. There's not a student here who shouldn't be suspended. It isn't free speech. You're, you're a student. No, no free speech. You don't have any right to disrupt the, the school, disrupt my kid's learning. Shut up. I don't care how you feel about anything. You're a kid. You're a kid. I don't want to hear it. You have no right to disrupt the room. You're not. It's like when they do these walkouts for climate or, or, or this. That. What are you talking about? Sit down. Shut up to your math homework. You don't have any right to disrupt the classroom. You are not moral. You're 14. You don't know a damn thing. You see what you're doing in, in the hallways? This is why we don't let you decide your gender. You don't know what you're doing. You're 14. You need us to show you the way. Who is showing these kids the way? Liars like Rashida Tlaib? Liars like Ilhan Omar, who's trying to backtrack from her hospital statement. Yes, because it was in Israel. The the support of, of Hamas and the anti-Israel rhetoric of groups like CARE, the Council of American Islamic Relations. You've got this 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 letter out there, like a thousand celebrities. Ceasefire now. No. There'll be a ceasefire when Hamas hands back the hostages they took after they murdered 1,400 people. It's all on Hamas. They won't do it. Water. Water is not about Israel turning it on or turning it off. It's about Hamas that doesn't even care about its people to be able to provide them water. Same with food, same with medicine. This idea of a humanitarian crisis, blame Hamas. Tell them to stop. Tell them to give back the hostages. Tell them to surrender. And this is over. It's over. But you and I both know that's not what it's about because here you've taught these teenagers to chant from the river to the sea, which is a call for genocide. And thus, when I meet Jews or others who are really shocked by what has happened here, I am stunned because we've only been talking about it for a decade. They want you dead. And yes, if you don't agree with them, they'll want you dead too. This isn't about just being Jewish. They want you dead. But if Jews don't understand that uh, the the pro-Hamas side, which you have now seen very clearly in universities and other places that we've discussed, wants you dead, you're an unserious person. You will not be saved. You will never be moral enough. You will never be good enough. There are not enough causes for you to be a part of that you will get a pass. You will die. The Kapos died too. It's time to grow up, everybody. We've got a real problem here in the U.S., never mind around the globe. And yes, there is need for an enlightenment and reformation. Can't get to that conversation until people recognize that you will not be spared. I'm Tony Katz. And just breaking right now, there is a Navy warship near Yemen that has intercepted multiple missiles 
Fired by the Houthi rebels. Um, those are backed by the Iranians. This has been an ongoing thing in Yemen. This is a civil war in, in Yemen. Not everything is connected. Multiple things are happening in multiple places. That is not to say that it's not connected. I'm not trying to be, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, riddle teller there. I'm just saying it as it is. Tomorrow, everyone, I'm Tony Katz. Take care.